It will arise as once before, in ages past when magic soared. Passing o'er the world, shore to shore, the wind, the fury, again shall roar. Welcome to the Swan Song Podcast by Eamon Cottrell and Brian Stallings. The Swan Song Podcast is the episodic audiobook for the fantasy novel John Swan Song and the Parada Isle. Episode 1 Spera! Impossible, thought Abram. There hadn't been a Spera sighting on this side of the border isles in all his years of sailing. Hard to starboard, Abram yelled through the tempest. There was no fighting a Spera. It was run or die. Ready the rear guns, Tice. The cannons had little chance of actually hurting the deep-sea monster, but the sounds sometimes could scare them off. At least it might buy them the time they needed to escape. An enormous, boiling geyser burst through the ocean and shot high into the air right in front of the jasmine. The hot steam caused a gust into the front sail that made the ship lurch dangerously to one side. A sturdy ship she might be, but no ship could stand a direct hit from a Spera's blast. Abram had seen iron-reinforced hulls turned to driftwood by the jets of superheated water erupting from the ocean. Tell Tice to fire at will, Captain. She's getting closer. Grant, his ever-eager first mate, suggested. I'm old, but I'm not blind yet. I can see that, Tice. Go below and see that Minute has both bilge pumps going. One may not be enough before long. Grant hesitated for a second before turning and going. Aye. He just wanted to protect the Jasmine, but a ship can have only one captain. For now, that was Abram. It was hard to tell through the sheets of rain and ocean spray, but Abram thought the ship had come round enough that the spot of the last Spera blast was behind to the left. Mr. Tice, make some noise. Almost instantly, the rear cannons begin erupting. The booms from Tice's cannons made the rolling thunder sound like a wood snark tapping on a mast. Abram's ears rang, but he dared not take his hands off the wheel to cover them. In a storm like this, the current would grab the rudder and have you backwards in a heartbeat. Boom after boom after boom rang out. Tice was good at his job, and Abram was lucky to have him. The larger ships in Dantal were always looking for skilled gunners, and Tice was one of the best. Maybe the larger ship's captains wouldn't let Tice get away with as many questionable hobbies as Abram did. At any rate, Tice had remained with him for years. Abram held his palm face out to Tice to signal the ceasefire. Abram scanned the waves behind. Was that the beginning of a Spera blast? Or just two waves cresting together? It was hard to tell through the storm. Tice and the others on deck all stood by the port rail watching the water, looking for any sign. After a minute, Abram was satisfied enough to carry on. Back to the poles, lads. Make tight these sails. I want every bit of speed we can squeeze out of her. He thought they just might make it now. The storm looked like it was letting up too. Well done, Tice. He turned to Perry. Fetch Grant from below for me. He would have to soothe his first mate's undoubtedly ruffled feathers. A bit of vinegar, a bit of sugar. One of his mother's favorites. Grant came up from the quarterdeck stairs with little expression on his face. 
Is he ready to be the captain of the Jasmine when I'm gone? He certainly is eager enough. Abram spent more and more time thinking about his future and Sarah's. It made sense considering the things he'd learned on this trip. Take the wheel, Grant. Keep on straight for the rest of the daylight hours. That should put enough distance between us and the Sparrow to be safe. We'll rechart when the stars escape Exeter. I'm headed down to check on Sarah. The ship is yours. He'd been right. The storm had quickly dwindled to just a light drizzle now. About as good weather as you were likely to find at sea these days. The sun had not come out once in their eight days since leaving Dantal. By the wind. Eight days. They should have been in Labrie days ago. Not exactly the weather he would have chosen for his daughter's first voyage, but it wasn't meant to be a pleasure cruise anyway. He knocked on the door to his quarters where he and Sarah stayed. Imagine that, me having to knock on the door to my own bedroom. Sarah, he said as he opened the door and stepped in. His daughter was sitting on his footlocker, which she had pulled over to the wash basin. She had been leaning over the basin when he walked in, rinsing out her mouth. Apparently she was still dealing with her seasickness. Oh dear, I thought you were over that now. Sarah grimaced as she looked at her father. I was. But your steering seems to be getting worse, she snapped at him. Her face lacked its usual soft color, and her eyes looked like she'd been crying as well. Even so, as she brushed the long strands of vermilion hair from her face, they shone bronze in the dim light, and there was no denying her beauty. Just like her mother. Honestly, do you have to go over every wave in the ocean? Keeping his patience, Abram said, You'll get your sea legs soon enough. I'll get minute to bring up some more food for you. You have to try and keep your energy up. Ugh, not minute. I think he tries to make my food taste worse. Come on now, he's not that bad. You get the same food that I and the rest of the crew eat. I don't understand why you hate minutes so much. I want Thomas back. Sarah huffed and stomped her foot as she said this. As Abram saw it, Thomas was part of the problem. After his wife died, Abram had been forced to leave Sarah to be raised by the staff at his manor in Dantal. It wasn't long before Sarah realized how far she could push them. Thomas, the cook, Adelaide, the nanny, and Carson, the butler, had all given in over the years and now catered to Sarah's every whim. Abram had hoped at least Carson would have had the backbone to stand up to his daughter. At last, Abram had decided to take matters into his own hands. The staff could have Starbrand Manor to themselves for a while. Enough. You are a Starbrand. Our family has sailed these seas for hundreds of years. I brought you along so you could grow up and stop acting like a spoiled little city girl. We're better than that, and you will start acting like it. With that, Abram turned and went out the door. He leaned back against his cabin door and sighed. He'd fought Sparas and Tidewalkers and Bayas aplenty, but this 14-year-old girl was going to get the best of him in the end. Trouble? Abram jerked up, startled. It was his new passenger. Show me a teenage girl where there's not, and I'll call you a liar. Phineas Mallard was an odd fellow. Wore robes instead of shirt and knickers. Quiet-spoken and permanently serious, he had flowing jet-black hair that fell to his shoulders and a thin scar above his right eye. Someday I'll ask him about that scar. 
Phineas smiled and said, I'm sure she's a handful, but I meant with the Sparrows. I've never heard of one so far west. The seas are changing for sure. Abram flushed. Aye, we had a close call, but I think we're fine now. A slight detour that shouldn't cost us more than half a day. I have already told you of our urgency, Abram Starbrand. Probably told you too much. You know how critical my mission, our mission now, is. You don't have to convince me again. I understand. I was there at the beginning, remember? Head back to your cabin. I'm going down below. The crew already thinks we spend too much time together. They think you are corrupting me. Abram chuckled and so did Phineas. He really wasn't a bad fellow. Just odd. Not exactly the typical sailing type. The crew didn't know what to make of him. <laughs> Light of the West. He didn't know what to make of him half the time. And this errand they were on. It had been hard to believe when Phineas had approached him in Port de Twin, but hard to deny after he'd heard him out. Abram sighed. I'm growing old. Abram made his way down to the mid-level. He needed to check his maps and update their course. His map room was just one of the many luxuries the Jasmine provided him. She was a ship unlike any he had ever seen, and he was lucky to have her. Three decks deep, with an enormous cargo hold, the Jasmine was the largest ship Abram had ever sailed. There were huge ocean liners that delivered goods between Duntal and Port de Twin, but those were more ferries than proper ships. Slow-moving things, sluggish in the water. They could never make it in the Escondo Seas. The Jasmine, though, large as she was, was still nimble as a clipper and fast as a schooner. The chart that showed their path across the West Escondo Sea was spread across his map desk, held down by one rig screw at each corner. What should have been a straight line west to east from Port de Twin to Labrie had turned into a zigzag course north and south. This was not their first detour. The seas were unpredictable these days, and storms that would send you miles out of your way popped up out of clear skies. He had planned to arrive at Labrie on the evening of the next day, but this new plot would probably delay them until the day after. Hours passed as he worked over his new coordinates. Abram lit the wall candles inset in the jasmine's heartwood panels as the little sunlight there was began to disappear. The remains of the supper Minute had brought in were pushed to one side of the desk. Half of the chicken and onions were still on the plate. Maybe Sarah is right about his cooking, he had thought. A knock on the door accompanied Grant's gruff voice. Captain? Come in, Grant. What is it? Abram was in no mood for this. Grant knew the stars wouldn't be out for some time yet. He should still be on deck. A frantic-looking Grant came through the door. Sir, it's back. Somehow the darn thing has gotten in front of us. The Sparrows back? Abram asked incredulously. Sparrows were dangerous, but if you managed to get away, they weren't known for following. Yes, Captain. Perry spotted a couple of blasts less than half a mile starboard. All right, get Tice above deck. I'm on my way. Abram hurried out the door and up the stairs to the main deck. Perry was just coming down off the center mast. I saw it, Captain. It was a giant. Perry's face was white with fear. Steady, son. We need every hand ready now. Go make the front sail taunt. We'll need all the speed the Jasmine can muster. Abram went up the rear deck to the wheel, eyes scanning the starboard horizon as he went. There. 
he saw the superheated water spout break through the surface of the sea about a half a mile from the ship. Tice bounded up the rear deck stairs with a smoke dust keg under each arm. He nearly lost his balance on the last step as the sea swelled under the ship. Careful, you, Abram snapped. It won't do us any good if the explosion that scares off that sparrow is the same one that sinks our ship. Tice regained his balance and set to work on the guns. Hard to port, Abram called out. I'll bring her around so you've got a clear shot. Wait for the next water spout and fire away. Aye, Captain. I'm going to hit the sparrow this time. Won't give him a chance to follow us after I'm done with him, Tice said. Foolish. Unlike the rest of the crew, Abram had some idea of what the creature under the waves that caused those water spouts looked like. When he was a boy working on a trading galley, he had taken shore leave on the eastern coast of Builder's Isle. While he was there, the locals were all amazed at the fin the size of a small boat that washed up on shore. One old salt that the locals thought was crazy claimed it was the fin of a sparrow. If it was, Abram was terrified to see the size of the creature that it came from and didn't think a ten-pound cannonball would do much to slow it down. A column of water shot out from the rear of the boat some three hundred yards back. Now, Tice, Abram shouted, although Tice needed no encouragement. As soon as the geyser came out of the water, Tice aimed his cannon and fired. His shot went in the water right on top of where the spout had been. He is a good shot. Quick as that, Tice had another charge ready and fired. Use both of the cannons, Abram said to Tice. I think I might have got him with that first shot, Captain. How do you like that? Tice the Spera Slayer has a nice ring. Tice had a big grin on his face when he started talking, but he was interrupted by a roaring blast that came from closer behind. His grin faded. Don't write the stories yet, Tice. Keep those cannons firing. Abram thought they stood a good chance of outrunning the Spera. He'd gotten the ship turned just right based on the last two water spouts, and as long as the wind held, they would be away. Perry darted up the stairs, more ashen-faced than before. Captain, he said breathily. Oarsman, if that sail falls limp and we lose speed because of it, I'll string you up before the Spera has a shot at you. Abram saw Perry wince as he yelled. But Captain, the Spera, it's in front of us. Perry finally managed to get it all out. It was Abram's turn to go ashen. There's no way it moved that fast. A new blast from behind the ship confirmed Abram's fear. If Perry was right, they were now facing not one sea monster, but two. Grant, Abram called down to the main deck. Take the wheel. He had to see for himself. Where did you see it, son? He asked Perry. Perry and Abram ran to the front of the ship, and Perry pointed out straight ahead. Abram watched and waited, hoping the boy had just been seeing lurkers in the night. Tice's cannons kept booming from the rear of the ship. Just when Abram was about to admonish Perry for being paranoid, there it was. A blast of boiling water just as big as the other one, straight ahead. It was almost as close as the other one, too, and they were sailing straight for it. Grant, the captain's voice was almost shrill. Hard to port. Turn her to the side. Abram could feel the ship shift as the rudder turned hard. It could hardly matter, though. Caught between two sparrows, there was no way to turn the ship fast enough to put enough distance between them. 
especially since Tice's cannons didn't seem to be doing the trick this time. The Spera's blast behind kept coming. It was as if it was racing the other Spera to the kill. Aft sail, tight left. Abram wouldn't quit trying, even though he knew this was a futile effort. A blast from the Spera and back was close enough now that Abram felt the heat of the boiling water on his face. The next one would likely be the last. Hold fire, Tice. Release the outriggers. Grant, see to the fresh water. Some of them might survive in the lifeboats. He had to try, for Sarah's sake. Wait! What in the wind was Phineas doing up on deck? Get down from there, cried Abram. You'll not be giving me orders on my ship. Phineas paid him no mind. Grant and Tice were frozen in their steps, staring at the strange passenger. Phineas's hood was thrown back as he climbed the rigging on the center mast. He was a surprisingly fast climber for a landlubber. A loud blast, followed by the awful sound of wood splintering, rang out in Abram's ears. Behind him, the rear spara seemed to have won the race. He looked over his shoulders to see that the stern post and outgalley were in tatters. He could feel his wheel go loose. The rudder is lost. Make way to the outriggers. Where is Sarah? He had to get her on one of the boats, even if he couldn't make it himself. A voice louder than thunder rang out in his ears. It sounded like a cross between a whale song and a war horn's blast, a droning, sonorous chant clearly heard above the torrent and chaos around. Abram looked up to the source. Phineas was standing on the edge of the crow's nest, with his arms out in front of him like he was directing a chorus. Om so we bang. What the... Grant was slack-jawed, staring up at Phineas. No person should be able to make such a sound, Abram thought. A great gust of wind swirled around the ship. Abram caught his hat as it blew off his head. The clouds above the jasmine were moving in a most unnatural way. The rain stopped, and bright sunlight poured down on the ship. On all sides of the ship, Abram could see that the storm was still raging a mere hundred yards away. Great thought Abram. We'll die a little drier. Then he saw it. A sparrow blast. A torrent full of steam and power. Away from the ship. He ran to the rear rail. Either a third sparrow had joined the hunt, or the sparrow was moving away from the jasmine. It's moving away! Tice shouted from the front of the ship. By the wind, we're going to make it. Both the Sparrows had decided to leave them be. Abram darted down the aft ladder to see Sarah coming up from his cabin. He swooped her up in a giant bear hug and held her close. I love you, Sarah, he whispered in her ear. You too, Dad, but I can't breathe. Sarah squeaked back. What was that? He smiled and let her go and turned to survey the ship. All of the crew was frozen, standing still, likely in shock. They were staring at the center rig. They were staring at the strange passenger they had taken aboard in Port de Twin. Phineas paid them no mind as he hopped off the last rung. Captain? Phineas nodded his head in Abram's direction as he walked to the stairs and went below deck. Abram turned back to look at the crew. They had turned their stares to him, their blank expressions replaced with suspicion and fear. 
Abram sighed. He had some explaining to do.